podcasting from the world's most livable city, Melbourne. This is the Your Career Down Under Show, a podcast dedicated to help newly arrived skilled migrants and settled migrants with their career and employment issues. We interview recruiters, career coaches, HR experts and employers who share tips, techniques and insights to help you land a job quickly and rapidly advance your career. Hello, 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 everyone. Happy Monday to all the listeners listening to us from everywhere, uh, you know, in the world and hopefully this space station that they've got two NASA astronauts today. Hopefully they are also listening to us. But welcome, welcome uh, from Melbourne. It's uh, it's typical Melbourne. Day. It's raining. It's freezing cold. Um, you know, we are in quarantine. We were asked to go on the on the rooftop for a 10 minute walk we could not walk we just stood uh, in a corner you know without uh, you know getting wet but that's the you know that's what melbourne looks like that's why you'd see that you know my face is not as bright as it used to be on friday but you know so it's it's nothing to do with anything but it's just the the weather but my name is naishad gadani and uh, me and Caroline, uh, along with our expert guest, pops up on your LinkedIn screen every day, 3 p.m. And the reason is to, to deliver hope and optimism in these uh, trying uh, circumstances and the times. Uh, we are still in, you know, although Australia has started to open up many, many things, uh, you can have, uh, you know, people at your house as a guest. You can go to cafes. Uh, you know, with limited seating, and there are many other things. There are still people working from home, uh, but you know, there is a lot of still a lot of people are being hurt in terms of their employment situations, and we want to continue to talk about hope and optimism and deliver the career care package. Uh, you know, in these trying circumstances to you, so we will continue to come and brighten up your day. Uh, you know, every weekday. Um, you know, through this, uh, you know, enlightening, amazing conversations that we have with people. So uh, let me introduce you to my, to the collaborator, uh, Caroline Brown. Kevi. Hi, Nash. Hi, Matt. Good to see you both. And yes, it's a very chilly Melbourne day, but this isn't a chilly topic we've got. We've got to tackle something that I know everyone struggles with. I wrote a blog post briefly to introduce this saying, you know, my bad money habit is going like squirrel-like and not spending, which is equally, you know, it might seem on the surface of it a great habit to have during this time, but it's not the best habit that you could have um, to manage finances overall. A lot of people are struggling to, you know, you might have your hours reduced, you might be worried about losing your job, you might have lost your job and uh, are wondering how you can actually get through to give yourself that basic level of security that we all need, which is financial security. Because without that, I think, you know, everything shuts down. If you're worried about where your next um, money's, you know, your next paycheck's coming through and where it's going. So really happy to have Matt Hearn on, a, on the show. Matt's a, a money or budgeting coach. And um, Matt's going to give us some guidance around all of that. So, Matt, thanks so much for joining us. It's um, absolutely delight. Yeah, fantastic. I'd love for you to give people a, a bit of a brief rundown of, of what you do so 
they can understand the context of the advice that, or the, the tips that, that we're going to run through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Carolyn, you, I think, nailed it very well, is that uh, a feeling of financial insecurity is absolutely terrifying because it goes to mm. our basic needs. Money is a facilitator of everything that we want to do in life. Um, so for me, what really drives me is, is I absolutely love and I'm very passionate about helping people afford to pursue the life that lights them up. Uh, so that's so they don't feel that insecure feeling, but so that they also are able to pursue their abundant potential for joy and contribution to the world that they were born to make. And in doing that, for me, it's very important to ensure that any advice I give is insightful, uh, is practical, but also delivered with a sense of humanity, that we are all fallible, imperfect human beings in that sense. So yeah. I really help people navigate a, a difficult situation or decisions that they're, they're they're coming up against a life event. Uh, maybe if they don't feel that their financial position is as good as they'd like it to be, or perhaps if they've got a burning ambition that they want to achieve, then I help mm. them make the right financial decisions to navigate that environment so that they can afford the life that they love. Mm. Love, very well put. I mean, I know when, you know, I have that feeling that my finances are, are in order as a, as a small business or trader, I'm like, yes, I've got this. You know, it does absolutely give you more confidence and more of a lift. What are you finding now that we're hitting these really constrained times where there's a lot of uncertainty out there and people are worried about their money? How are people reacting in in your world or, or in what you see with, um, with people? Mm. Well, again, referencing what your, your introduction is financial stress um is really important and so the reaction is similar to how humans respond to any sort of stress and it's mm. a, a an absolute diverse continuum from an absolute contraction so that so many humans perhaps totally contract um out of anxiety and perhaps you know, the analogy some people will um have so much anxiety they'll lose their entire appetite to eat whereas other people their coping mechanism or the reaction can be uh, emotional eating you know, that would be me. Uh, and there's a spectrum along that. So when it comes to money, the, our, our responses are very similar along the spectrum. There'll, there'll be the total contraction response of absolutely cancel everything. I'm doing nothing. I'm becoming an absolute hermit um, to the fact that the, the, the habit comes in of what, what eases my discomfort? Retail therapy does because it feels good um, to buy stuff and even more feels good if we get praise and admiration as a result of that. So mm. somewhere along that spectrum, there's the retail therapy people and then there's an absolute contraction and everywhere in between. Mm. It's been bizarre some of, like, I mean, um, bizarre some of those scenes that you see in, we're supposed to be, you know, social distancing, but you go to, you know, the retail outlets and you go, where did that happen? You know, what happened to all of that, basically? Yeah. But, um, yeah. Anesh, do you have any comments or questions? Well, you know, you know it just reminds me that, the, you know, it's, it's, it's a sort of funny story around retail therapy. You know, when I was in India in this lockdown period and after six weeks, you know, I had the chance to go to the bank to withdraw some money. And there was not, you know, at that time it was a complete lockdown. So we had only medic medicine and the milk bars open and milk bars can only sell milk, nothing else. And as we were, as we finished our banking things, I saw a milk bar open and I told my brother, I said, I want to go and buy things. I need to feel alive. I need to do something to buy because otherwise it, it just, I've been, 
I've not even checked what's in my wallet in last six weeks. I don't even, you know, so I needed that, that kind of, you know, like an injection of enthusiasm that I'm, 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 I can do something and through that money. And that's how I, I felt at that. Even though I said, even though that's 50 cents, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I just want to go and gain that, that retail therapy, uh, you know, just to, just to make, you know, uh, you know, feel myself great about something. And I, I can sense, you know, similar, you know, I would imagine that's, you know, few people will be feeling, uh, you know, like splurging or like going out and, and, you know, even in these times, just to make themselves feel good. And my relationship to money is always is love and hate. And why I say love and hate is that I, if I know that there's chunk of these clients who are paying me, then I feel absolutely, I don't even, you know, watch the, my bank balance at that time. But when the business is down and it's, it's, I'm not getting anything. I, I also rarely then go and check my bank balance, uh, you know, and I, I really feel uh, that that moment of, of anxiety, especially on the on Sunday evening and, and on next week begins and everything. I feel that moment of anxiety for myself. Is it very have you seen this kind of you know, you know behaviors quite normal in, you know, with people? I would say it's quite common niche. I like to draw mm. a distinction common and normal when it comes to our mm. human behavior mm. there's a lot of common behaviors out there that aren't necessarily health healthy or allow it enabling us to be the best version of ourselves that we were born to be um, so the behavior is very common because we've not been taught otherwise and money is so interacted with our emotions in that sense because money facilitates all the things that bring us joy um, or that can bring us despair so what you're describing is the human experience, so you're definitely not alone. But I guess the message of hope and optimism I'd like to spread is it doesn't have to be that way. Many of us mm -hmm. were never taught about money. We were never taught how to make great financial decisions. In fact, we probably have a belief that money is hard. Um, and I'd like to spread that optimism that money does not have to be hard. Um, and once you learn about money, it can actually enable the life that you love so that you're not having this love-hate relationship with money. It just is. And then you can get on with being the best version of yourself because the money is taking care of itself um, in a sense. So I'm talking here about the managing of the money, not necessarily the earning of the money because that's a subset, um, mm. which I know is, is, is challenging for many people who have lost their jobs at this point in time. I'm really focusing here on the managing of our money and our relationship to it. Because going back to one of the other things that you said there about wanting to spend, um, that's really interesting because a large majority of why we spend money is not actually for the thing, it's for the feeling the thing mm -hmm. gives us, which soothes a discomfort that we're feeling somewhere else in our life in some mm -hmm. way, shape, or form. Um, so that's why it's really, really important to, you know, emotional intelligence is a very big part of financial intelligence. Mm. It's so amazing, it's so profound. You, you've got um, some tips that you give people that are, are worried about money during this time. I think it'd be great to share share some of those those really practical tips that people can implement pretty easily. Um, with you know, if, if they're worried about money. Yes, absolutely. And if it, if I go too fast or don't explain anything in, in enough detail, Sorry, I'm uh, writing down as you speak. You're, you're <laughs> down. I, no, you've um, got your book, but. 
I've captured them in an article as well, so I will post the link um, to the recording afterwards for anyone watching along uh, mm. as well. But I think before we jump into the tips, and I, I'm a real lover of practical stuff, that's the former engineer in me. In fact, Niche, in honour of you and I being engineers, I, 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 I'm going to try to throw an equation in here somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at your face, I'm so excited. <laughs> just to pay homage to our, our background as former engineers. But I think... To give some context to where these tips come in is I, at this point in time, if people have lost some or all of their income, it is absolutely terrifying. And what for us, we the big terrifying part of it is that, oh, my God, how am I going to pay the bills, which Nisi you alluded to, um, is how am I going to pay the bills? And even more, the catastrophic thinking that I can go into is, oh, my God, will I lose everything that I've worked so hard for? So if that's what's going on in our mind, and I think we need to address, address those things um, as part of these tips. So that's the context where these tips come from, which is why they may be slightly different to what you might have read somewhere else on the internet in the last couple of months. So step number one, I feel is, and, and these tips also presuppose that you've applied for income support, maybe job keeper or job, job seeker. So having done that in parallel, the next step is you're probably gonna to need to supplement that job seeker or job keeper with some of your savings. So take your savings account and create a hub account. Um, and that hub account, think of it like a reservoir direct all of your income sources into there um, and so that, that it just accumulates and starts to smooth out the income flow. So you're not having to, to think all, all, the way, all the way. So set up your, your, your savings as a hub account or like a reservoir is the first tip. The second tip that flows from that is then pay yourself a steady wage. So rather than having lots of different income sources um, coming in that are difficult to manage, simplify it by using the hub and pay yourself a steady wage as if you're your own paymaster. So that goes from the hub account into your everyday transaction account. Now, how you would set that steady wage, the quick start method is to just look at the net amount that you used to be paid every pay cycle um, or the net amount that you used to spend every pay cycle. Just start with that amount um, for now while you're setting up because you can get to quick start uh, in that sense. And use a pay cycle that is as frequent as you can. Weekly or fortnightly is so much easier to manage than monthly. So even if you were paid monthly before, maybe use a weekly or a fortnightly cycle when you're paying yourself a steady wage. Um, should I pause every couple of tips, Carolyn, to give you a chance to ask a clarifying question? Or, well, or you have to, to, but, um, yeah, we'll be taking questions from the audience as well. Okay. So, um, yeah. So keep going? Yeah, keep going. It's yep, good. Okay. good so now that you've sort of addressed, you know, one of the challenges of, of where the money's coming in and the steady flow, now this is where I'm going to throw in throw in a bit of a formula for you and I, Nish. Um, so think of it that that by having that reservoir there and that steady wage coming out, it really enables you to very quickly get a sense of how long my money will last. What's my survivorship period, which is one of the worries that we've got, because it's simply the savings I've got um, divided by the amount of shortfall that I've got um, every week. So that gives you a sense of how long you can last. You can very quickly get a measure of, am I okay? Or like a temperature check in that sense. So that's, that's, why those are a couple of the first steps to address that fear of my money lasting. The next step is around those bills, that we're worried about having money to cover those bills. Well, if they're predictable expenses, then plan for the predictable by covering your commitments. So the very next step is look at all those things that you um, have committed to pay, those subscriptions that you regularly pay, the groceries and other essentials and utility bills are all commitments. Calculate what they are, those things that you need as essentials, um, and whatever that, uh, divide that amount by the pay cycle that you've chosen um, and set that money automatically aside. 
So you've got your steady wage coming into everyday transaction account, um, work out the amount that has to automatically go every pay into this commitments account and have all your commitments being deducted from that account. That way you don't have to stress. That way you know the money is coming in and the bills, the essential bills are getting covered in that sense. So cover your commitments is step number three. Now, the other part of human nature, which we've alluded to several times, um, is, you know, the money is, is you know, we're all human, I think, in that sense. Um, and we are, look, I've never been to a buffet and not overeaten. There's just way too much temptation. And I, my willpower is just way too low in that environment. Every day we are surrounded by a spending buffet. There is abundant temptation of things to buy and do, plus the discomfort that we've already headed to, that we're trying to, um, to, to soothe in a sense. So acknowledging that we're in that environment of abundant temptation and our willpower is fickle and unreliable, it's really important not to rely on, our, on having good willpower, particularly under a stress, to make good financial decisions. So acknowledge that situation and your humanness that you're going to want to impulse buy and isolate a certain amount of money for guilt-free spending. So I call it isolate your impulses and indulgences. Acknowledge that you're going to have them. So pre-allocate an amount in a separate account for guilt-free spending. And if you're in a couple with joint finances, each have your own account. So you don't have to be bickering about it. It's a, that comes out of that account when it's an unplanned expenditure. So that's the step, the fourth step. Isolate your impulse and indulgences to allow yourself to be human. Work with your, your humanness in that sense. Now that we've sort of got the, the mechanics work it worked out of the account, um, and so we've, we've covered out the stressful bills and we have a sense of how long our money is going to last and we've accounted for our humanness, now we need to go through that step of trimming the excess. So that's when we look at what we can cut in that sense so that our money lasts a little bit longer uh, in that sense. Now, the, the reason that that's not the first step is because if we do it as our first step, it can be done in a panic and it can be absolutely chaotic. I believe it's much better to be done in a methodical way um, and with a, with a sense of control once you've got a sense of how much you need to cut. When you're cutting, it's really confronting. Like having to cut our expenditure is very confronting. So again, I think we've got limited time and energy for things that are they're confronting. So let's use that time and energy wisely um, by applying a methodical approach. So the methodical approach I recommend when you're trimming the excess is to first separate your expenses into those essentials that are central to you based on your value system and those comforts, those things that you can do without. So separate into comforts and essentials and start with comforts because you're less emotionally attached to them in that regard. Now with your comforts, apply these three, these three things. First, look at what can you stop, then what you can you swap, and then what can you save on. So stop is just quickly look through the comforts and say, well, which ones can I stop and not miss? Easy wins straight there. The next one is the ones that where the experience that that expense gives you is important to you. So look at a different way to achieve it. Now, most of those things that fit into this category were actually shut down during the, the COVID-19 period. For example, you weren't going to work, so you weren't buying a lunch. So a swap for that would be, well, I want lunch, but I don't need to buy it. I could bring it from home. So that's one way to do it. So this is a really important step to think of as businesses start to reopen is to not go into our old habits of adding those things back in and think, what can I swap out as I create my new normal? Um, then we're on to save. So there's trying to get savings on things is more time consuming, which is why it's not step number one. So if the things that you need to keep, and this applies to both comforts and essentials, this is when you need to do the ringing around and trying to find a better deal. Now, my absolute favourite that I have been using for over a decade 
is if you've heard of the old entertainment book, which is now a purely digital edition, now for 70 bucks, you can get access to buy discount gift cards, 5% discount. So you can buy discounted Woolworths gift cards, which enable you to, to save on groceries and grog. Now that average family by buying 70 bucks on an entertainment book can save over $700. Wow. Um, so for me, that is a, that's my favorite saving tip. You know, that's like a 10 time re return on investment. You know, we can't get that anywhere. So that's my favorite one there. I've got plenty more on my blog, um, but that's the process. And so that's step number five is trim the excess. Um, yeah. So now that we've got a sense of we've, we've, we've perhaps been, when we trim the excess, of course, go back and reduce the steady wage that you're paying yourself. Very important at that point in time so that your money lasts a little bit longer. Next step is, step number six is go and try to boost that reservoir. Now, you may be trying to boost that revenue reservoir with the a job seeker or job keeper that's been coming in or maybe some part-time work. But also, if you're, if you're at home, um, during the during the pandemic or just because you're going through career transition, it might be a great time to look around the house and say, hmm, what don't I need anymore? So mm -hmm. bolster your, that, that reservoir, that your savings with a bit of a garage sale or virtual gar garage sale uh, in that set. So, so use that opportunity to bolster the savings. And then the very last one, and that is actually a, a caution as much as anything, is to say, use credit and investments as last resorts. Again, our instinct as a human can be to go into panic and chaos and just start whacking everything on the credit card. Mm. Resist, resist that urge because it is an expensive way to do it. Follow these steps first, get a sense of control. And just even the actions of control gives you a feeling of control mm. um, in that sense. So use credit and investments as the last resort. And withdrawing from your super uh, is selling investments. So it's a terrible time to be selling investments um, right now. So that's why it's a last resort. Of course, I'm not saying don't do it because if you're on your knees, you've got to do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But credit is an expensive way to meet the meet the bills and credit includes freezing your mortgage repayments um, mm -hmm. for a while. That's effectively borrowing from the bank in a sense. So they are last resorts, not first resorts. So that's the seven steps. Uh, feel free to throw clarifying questions. Yeah. In I was just going to say, I can, I can see the engineer in you with, with that, but I would imagine <laughs> that that process is a step-by-step -step process that gives you confidence as you execute, knowing the reactions that you might have along the way to doing doing that kind of process. One of the things I thought was really interesting is like that temptation in your buffet analogy, right? Because I reckon you go to a buffet and you go, you're, you've got everything. Like you try, you have your trial plate, and then you glutton the plate, and then you go back for seconds and thirds or whatever. That was taught to me by an American friend, by the way. But anyway, but that's you, right? When you're spending, you've got this cheer squad. You don't have a cheer squad at the buffet that's going eat more, eat more, eat more. But we have a cheer squad around us saying buy more, buy more, buy more because, you know, we get the validation, I think, that you mentioned. How do you suggest people implement that one in particular? Because I reckon that's a real tricky one around keeping up with appearances and what other people are, you think other people are cheering you on. Is there anything that you would suggest people have in place to support that one? Mm. Yes, and it's not just one thing, it's multiple things. And I have weaved some of them already into those seven steps, which are uh, yeah. a part of 
those seven steps are, are specifically for when you've lost some of all your income, but they incorporate those elements. And what we're really going into my passion for human behavior here, Carolyn, you hit on it yeah. because you know, I was an engineer, analytical trained, and financial planning is a very analytical field. But then I discovered, whoa, even I'm tr struggling to do the things that I know I should do. Um, yeah. And I'm trained in this. What is it about it? It's the humanness. And that's why I use that buffet analogy is because many of us have had that experience. And we don't have the cheer squad in the buffet, yet we know how hard it is not to overeat in a physical buffet. So it's magnitudes harder when you're out in the world trying to spend less because the marketers have trained for years in getting us to want something and desire something, much more than we have been trained in how to resist them uh, in that sense. Plus, we get such a buzz, as you've have you suggested, Carolyn. So there's so one of the, the things that I, I talk about, and we might not have time to go into it, is... Um, James Clear wrote a great book called Atomic Habits, which builds on Charles Dewey's work on the power of habits. And he talks about the sequence of, of habits forming, which in habits are simply behaviours that are repeated um, mm. until they become a habit in that sense. Um, so I look at that habit loop and the, cue, and the, the sequence is, is there a cue? Um, is does that cue remind us that there's a reward close by? Um, if, it, if it does, then and, we, and that's attractive to us, then we have a craving for it. And then... Mm it's easy for us to, to indulge that craving, then we'll perform the response. So that's the behavior. And then we get that buzz. So really, if we're to go to your, to your question, we need to break that habit loop from going round and round. Mm. Multiple steps. Um, resistance is futile because our willpower is fickle <laughs> and unreliable. So this is the really important thing is probably the personal development movement is, is so rah-rah around We've got to keep building. It's the reason I struggle to go to the gym is because I don't have enough willpower. That's not true. Behavioral science has shown us that willpower is fickle and unreliable. Um, so it's not a. So if we think that it's a lack of willpower, we believe it's a problem with us and it's a character flaw. It's not. It's a design flaw in the systems that we've using used to navigate that environment and that natural human human behavior of our habits. So resistant total resistance is futile. One thing you can do is try to remove as much temptation as possible. Um, so that is unsubscribe from all the, all the marketing emails that you get. Put a no junk mail sticker on your mailbox. If you can remove as many cues as possible, then you're getting less of that cheer squad happening in there. But there is that cheer squad there. So that's where the, the so one of the other techniques um, in designing your environment for success um is compartmentalizing and i've i've dropped in the compartments in the seven tips that you had you can see i compartmentalize your com commitments i compartmentalize the impulses and indulgences compartmentalization is a really great technique for, mm. for making it difficult for you to indulge your craving that cheer squad is behind you saying buy 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 but mm. if you if it's difficult for you to to actually buy um you won't be able to buy so the behavior mm. will not is what James Clear talks about. So compartmentalizing is another really, really important tech technique in there. So there's a couple that I've thrown in there. Is that yeah. what you're hoping for, Carol? Yeah, no, that, yeah, that was good. I guess it's like, you know, we do see a lot of society pressure on having certain, like what our peer group mm. is what is really influential in, um, you know, what we want and what we what we see as a guide to what is normal to want. And if you step outside that in a lot of ways there's a lot of you know um sort of subtle not ridicule but judgment where you, you see a lot of judgment around so mm. 
yeah, that that's along the lines. And then you've got the buy, buy, buy to, you know, help you feel good about not feeling good type things. So, yeah. yeah. So we're, delving, we're delving into that just doesn't, doesn't just apply to money. That applies no. to everything we do. Um, that, that our peer group and the influence of our peer group influences so many of our actions, not just our, our money actions. So that's where we get into the psychology of how, gro how strong is your sense of self um, mm. to resist what's going on around you, to, to, to make decisions in line with your value system. And then there's mm. the just get better friends kind of angle. Which is, you know, <laughs> like, you <laughs> surround yourself with an environment that is cheering you on to act yeah. in line with your best version of yourself is another yeah. another real real big part of it. And it's multifaceted, of course, because we're talking about emotional intelligence and self-esteem. Mm multifaceted but there's a there's a couple of elements very much in there uh, and, and you're building them into if you want to be good with money building some uh, being aware of that is really important so accountability is another really important step to help you break that that habit loop that james clear talks about because if you have an accountability person who is cheering you on to good financial decisions and mm -hmm. that's um where they can make it rewarding for, for you making a good good decision rather than it's rewarding to make the bad decision. So that's where your money coaches and accountability buddies um, are really valuable uh, in that sense to, to help you surround yourself with people who want you to be the best version of yourself making great financial decisions. Yeah, that makes sense. Excellent. We got a couple of comments. Uh, so one comes from, uh, you know, Gian Pereira. I think he, you know, you might know Gian. He's from uh, Perth, and he says you, you, hey, the entertainment book tip has saved thousands of dollars for him, just not hundreds. So he's just thanking you for that. He got a chartered accountant saying that the biggest problem uh, in overcommitting ourselves is the anticipation of future income. This future income is uncertain, but we think that it's certain. I think that's a false sense of, you know, of that. And I can cite my example, you know, when I, you know, sometimes I get excited when, you know, I, I get client inquiries and clients say, yeah, you know, let, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead. And I, I'm counting my dollars in my head. All right, so mm -hmm. that's 1,000, that's 1,500, that, that's $2,000. Wow. So $2,000 will hit in my, you know, it, it hasn't hit yet, okay? It hasn't it hasn't committed that, right? But in my head, I'm already thinking, or right, as so I can go and buy that, I can pay for my kids of this, I can you know do that. I've already done that, and when the money doesn't come in, I still feel you know I should I still want that because I committed myself that I, you know I I'm I'm going to do something, right? And that's. I, I feel that there is um, that false sense of hope and of security is another thing that you should be concerned about, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we humans are fascinating creatures. <laughs> I'm endlessly fascinated. I have been fascinated about human behavior since I was in high school and couldn't work out why people didn't talk nicely to each other. Um, and so we're fascinating. And I believe that that is, might be called by... Um, the behavioural economists overconfidence bias, um, in a sense, and it's, it is a real problem if you acknowledge it in yourself. So um, I haven't got any quick tips for you right now, but but certainly, um, you know, you know, very being very clear. I have found that one of the best techniques is to be really crystal clear on what your goals are, and save for the significant and minimise the insignificant. It's one sort of tip that comes along with that. So um, you're pre-allocating what you will do with money helps you perhaps 
um, when you pre-allocating when you've received the money that is I'm talking here may help in this regard. I'm not 100% certain, but it might it might help for you to have a clear goal. But also just to to I think your self awareness around it niche is probably one of the best the best antidotes is to know that it's happening to you and to say mm. I'm only looking at my cash balance not my accruals for the, for the accountant there. So I might, you know, do, do, yes, accountants might re report on accruals, but you report on cash, cash actually in your account that cash actually received. That's one way to do it from a personal perspective and certainly as a self-employed person as well. Yeah, agree, agree. And second, my observation, you know, in these times is that, uh, you know, a, a little philosophical observation around the consumption is that how little uh, did I need in last, um, you know, since uh, 16th of March, for at least for two months, how little did I need to to get my day? You know, the, the amount of clothing, I think I must have wore the same T-shirt probably 15, 20 times. Nobody cared. Um, you know, I I did not, uh, you know, I, so there's so much, so much less things that I needed in two months to survive. Obviously, I was with my parents. So there's a lot of things that they had, the resources and everything which I utilized. But just generally i think i need uh, you know so that that's something that i personally felt that i could do uh, same work probably you know do the same productive work in limited resources too because it ultimately ties in in, in my view is the the habit of or do I need this extra thing to, to make these things better or not? So money, you know, you know, spending money does tie into this. So that's my observation, um, you know, just last three months. Uh, and I love that. I, and I really hope many more people are, are making those sort of zoomed up meta observations of themselves to say, hey, I've discovered a lot of things I thought were important to me aren't as important or different things are important to me. And so I am really hopeful and optimistic that people will use this opportunity to create a new normal for themselves, to not go back to the way that they used to do, but to actually observe and say, how can I recreate and reinvent the way I interact with my life? And since money is such a facilitator of the things that of the life that we want to love, that we love, that how do we recreate the way that we deal with our money at this point in time? So I've been really fascinated and we're going to be publishing some articles the next month or so around the way that we spend our money interacts with our happiness. So I think of it as rather than giving you more bang for your buck, but giving you more buzz for your buck. So mm -hmm. I, for people who are really curious around how do they um, recreate a new normal, it's not just about the, the basic capabilities of, of structuring your money, but it's also really thinking through what, how do I be more effective with the way that I spend my money by spending it on the things that really do give me more buzz? Um, and to give you a bit of insight, what the happiness and uh, spending research talks to us is about is there's two things. Experiences give us more buzz than buying it on things, on objects or material items. But specifically among experiences, it's experiences that are shared and shareable. So. Wow. For the one dollar of spend, for example, if I spend a hundred dollars taking you two out for dinner and we have a great conversation, that's magnificent. But then I can also then talk to our our friends, our mutual friends, about the fact that I went out with Nish and Carolyn um, and had a great dinner. So for the same hundred dollars, I've just got two buzzes right there mm. and there. Um, so, and if 
so it's shared with others and shareable with other things. The same with a family holiday is the same thing. It's it's giving me the buzz of sharing it with my family um, and it's shareable with others. Plus, I'm also, the other part of that is I'm able to keep recalling that memory. And that's where experience, mm. that's that third that third bit there is if I, if I have this retail therapy instinct, instead pull out some photos of the last holiday I went on. And funnily enough, our brains get a similar dopamine hit. So if you want to hack your brain in those moments of, of feeling discomfort and wanting to do some retail therapy, go and look at old photos instead yeah. and you might be able to soothe some of your dis discomfort in that sense. So I'm really fascinated about that and I would love more people to recreate a new normal um, in the way that they consciously spend their money. So conscious spending out of the new normal would be something I would love to see. A bit of a rant there. Sorry, no, I'm fascinated by that because I knew I had read and I guess reflecting on my own experience, experiences, investing in experiences are great, but I didn't really know the the shared nature of that. But it kind of makes sense when you give somebody a, or just use the analogy of a gift in that you're giving that experience and you do get that warm buzz back from you know, their happiness and, you know, feeling good about yourself um, in turn as well. So yeah. I remember like... Carolyn, um, if I can interject, you've just reminded yeah. me of one of the other great trim the excess tips around swapping. Um, and this comes yeah. around celebrations and Christmas, which seems to be a really expensive expense for many people. Um, is one of my big passions is to encourage people to give the gift of someone's love language. So for yeah. those of the love languages, um, there's five different ways in which we give and experience love. And, and, and the only one of those five is the actual gift. And for me, yeah. that's my, my least um, impactful love language. But if you could write me a thoughtful card about what mm -hmm. I mean to you or the experiences and you've handmade that, those words of affirmation, boom. And all yeah. that's cost time and not money. So that's a, yeah. another great way that people can build um lower their cost but get the same impact from their money when they're doing the, the swap step of trim the excess is mm. give a gift of people's love language yeah yeah that makes even more sense yeah <laughs> so kb you're going to get a you're, KB, you're going to get a uh, not a gift for me from this year uh, christmas you'll get a, a um, warm fuzzy feeling of uh, you know <laughs> christmas card. Well, i was I thinking again, like this whole thing about um doing our career care package right both Nation and I have gotten a buzz from doing that. So that, that's kind of like, an, like it's a gift of time and experience of time and, and just, you know, being able to bring, like on a few different levels, it, it, it's worked um, in, in that kind of sense. And I'm just relating to what Nation was saying about not spending much um, or realising how little you actually do need to um, be happy. And I think maybe a lot of, you know, you hear about the sourdough breaking, baking and the baking the cookies or the bread, the, you know, whatever, that people have gotten that, that, that sense as well, again, um, during, during this time, I think. Absolutely. Um, do you have any other things, uh, you know, Matt, that you want to cover that we haven't, you know, prompted you or asked you a question? Uh, you know, because we don't have any other question that has come through uh, you know there are people who liked it so obviously people are watching it but as we all know it's not a you know it's not an easy topic to for people to to grapple with and uh, you know so as I think this is what we discussed in our preparation call is that it, this can either freak out people or can you know free people up 
so it can go both the ways and either way is fine it is you know it is nothing is wrong in either way it's you know i, I really liked your analogy around that you know that you know you don't people don't need to work on where do they spend they need to probably work on what values that they have around money if you focus on that then i think everything else will probably you know stem from it there's one thing that has come through that it is good to talk about saving in tough time because consumerism which drives the economy uh, you know and create jobs so, so you know are there any other saving tips things like that that you can share that you haven't shared so far look there are a lot of little saving tips um, and there's thousands of websites out there for saving tips on different things left right and center so um, please if you're looking for to going through that sequence and the, the engineering goes through the methodical process then, then and you find an expense go go into it but perhaps one thing I, I might like to to share um, is perhaps a little bit around the belief um, that it is possible so we've yeah and, and and you're triggering me with this niche with your comment just there is that your money can terrify a lot of people and to be honest with consumerism this yes the struggle is real you know is what i, I want to say with that we are in a culture that values the consumerism and in fact people encouraging us to go and spend money in order to save the economy whereas that might be the absolute worst thing for our personal situations um so perhaps whilst acknowledging that the struggle is is real i also would like to send that optimistic message that it doesn't have to be that way um mm. in that sense and so and this is where our mindset comes into it. it is if we and the interplay between thinking acting and or thinking feeling and actions if we think we're bad with money and if we think that our money is is so hard then we tend to act in a way that creates evidence to reinforce that belief so if there's a possibility that we could shift that identity of I'm bad with money to perhaps I could be good with money, but just that little possibility shift there, mm -hmm. perhaps I could be with money, how would I act? Or even better, if I, or if you're faced with a decision and, and think, what would Matt is good with money? What decision would he make, with make right mm -hmm. now? And act in that way, eventually you'll create enough evidence to prove to yourself I am good with money. So if that seems like too much of a stretch right now, just just the, imagine the possibility. If you're feeling overwhelmed with money and it's really, really hard, imagine the possibility that you could be good with money. Mm. Ask yourself, what actions would I take differently at that point in time? Would I perhaps put my hand up and, and go through any embarrassment I might feel about getting help about my financial situation and go and speak to a professional about it? And perhaps this might be a good point for me to throw in is that, and Carolyn, you, know, you raised this beautifully in our off off-camera chat um, is how many people do feel a sense of shame about asking for help, particularly around money in, in that sense. And so they fear that the professional is going to judge them. I would love mm. to leave you with this message that the vast majority of good professionals will not judge you. Mm. And if you are judged, run a mile. But the vast mm. majority of professionals have seen it all before. Um, and they are just as human and they acknowledge the humanness in it. So there is no shame in it. And I see myself as a no judgment budgeting coach. Yeah, mm -hmm. your value 
is your value system and mine is mine. I want to help you go through a process to be good with money for you so that you're creating evidence to back up that belief that you're good with money. And that becomes a very virtuous cycle in that point in time. So another one of my rants there for you, Nation. <laughs> no, uh, rants. Not at all. Uh, not at all. I think, I think that's, that's, yeah, not at all. I think, look, there are a couple of points to, you know, for me to conclude and then KB and, uh, you know, one, one of the thing is that, um, you know, when, when my son plays cricket, I, you know, when he's balls, you know, when he bets certain kind of balls and he doesn't understand few other balls, I say, try it out. I say, don't tell yourself that you can't, but try it out. So I think it is in my view, it is my responsibility to also talk about my money in that way. They let me try this out. Let me see if, you know, if I, you know, or, you know, I, I think I need to give the, take the same pill that I give, ask my son to take uh you know about their studies because you know it's easy for me to say because i've done that you know but when it comes to this i think it is also this you know kind of very apt for me to to, to use the same strategy on myself so that's what one thing that i can absolutely take from what you saw because it is it is you know the uh, i believe that the 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 world creates a world if I say something, then, you know, the world is created before me. If I say that I cannot manage, then the world is created. And I can see thousand things which says that you can't manage. It will be scary. It would be, you know, probably uncertain world, but it is possible to have that. And that's what I'm taking, uh, you know, Matt, from what you are saying. And that's what I, you know, anticipate all the listeners. Now, Lastly, how do people contact if they need some help, if they think that Matt is rightly positioned and I really want to? So what's the best way for them to reach out to you, Matt? So the best and most central way is to go to my, my website, which is simply my name, matthern.com.au. Matt with two Ts and Hearn spelled H-E-R-N. So matthern.com.au. You'll find links to my social channels there and also the ability to um, subscribe for my weekly insights newsletter, uh, which you get a free mini guide when you do subscribe called How to Stick to a Budget, which goes into detail on some of those key elements of, man of, of creating an easy money management system. So that's the best way, matthern.com.au. That's fantastic. I was just going to reflect on, you know, as you were talking about mindset, that if if anything today, giving people the sense that you can do that. I mean, I know it's so easy to, I know my, my mindset around money is I can't do that and I have to pull myself out and go, you can do that. So, you know, even if this gives people that, that trigger to go, I can do that, I think that that's a great gift to, to give people and, you know, thank you for sharing um, your tips and hopefully a lot of people will look you up and and um, get started on what could be a very empower or what would be a very empowering journey so thank Absolutely. you so much for sharing it um your time with us today matt it's been fantastic well thank you so much for the in invitation i really appreciate the opportunity it's been a delight thank you and thank you to everybody who's tuned in and watched this i really appreciate your time Lovely. thank you kb do you want to talk about uh, about tomorrow should i Tell people. I'll leave that one with you, but I just want to remind people to um, subscribe to a daily update. It's easy to miss what's coming up in your LinkedIn feed, but if you um, enter your details, we can let we let you know every morning what, who we've got coming up and and why you should listen. So I'll put that in the comments. And um, yeah, look forward to seeing everybody tomorrow. Excellent. Thank you, Matt, again. And tomorrow I'm bringing uh, Natasha Margaritas. Natasha. 
you know, has got a lot of skills. She's reinvented her career, um, you know, and she's been a journalist and she's a fantastic speaker and presenter. So we are going to talk about, you know, presenting. You're going to talk about communication and all those things. Uh, so please tune in tomorrow, 3 p.m. Melbourne time. Hopefully tomorrow will be a bit better day outside, but it doesn't matter. I'll still be sitting here on the iron, you know, my computer on the iron board and still be doing the LinkedIn live. So until I see you tomorrow, thank you very much, everyone, and have a safe uh, evening. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Your Career Down Under show. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to know more about how Your Career Down Under can help you, please reach out to us on www.yourcareerdownunder.com.au And if you have got a question about today's episode or if you want us to do a particular show on a particular topic, please reach out to us. We would love to do that. Until next time, be well.